All right, welcome back to Table Talk. I'm here with Poppy and Moline, and I'm Coolman. We've been rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he does from the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 14 and John 16, Jesus says that the Spirit will bear witness to me. He will glorify me. And in John 16, Jesus says he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you, which is our Lord's way of saying he will take what I earned on the cross and he will deliver it to you. He will make it known to you. Let me give you an example of this. In John chapter 20, the resurrected Christ makes sure that what he won on the cross gets delivered through his church and through his ministers. So um, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so he says, you forgive sins, forgive sinners in John 20. Whosoever you forgive, they are forgiven. Matthew 16, Matthew 18, parallel accounts, if you will, of this, uh, giving, making sure that it, this gets done. And it, it reflects uh, Genesis as well, when uh, man is created and God breathes the breath of life into him also. Yeah, exactly. And Ezekiel. Yep. So the the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, not only of all creation, but of the new creation, his church. Uh, And this is my point. And so keep in mind the John 20 text, forgiveness of sins being delivered. This is part of the Holy Spirit-filled work of the church and Christ's ministers. You remember in Acts chapter 2, which is buckled with Matthew 28, being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Father gives you himself and everything that he has. When you're baptized in the name of the Son, you are given everything that he is and everything that he has. When you're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, gives you himself and everything that he has. Okay, And so it's no wonder that in Acts chapter 2, when Peter tells the people, uh, they ask him, what should we do? You know, they're cut to the heart. Well, Peter says, repent, which means believe what I've just told you, essentially. And uh, be baptized, which is middle passive voice, which means let it be done to you. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness forgiveness of of sins. sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise, namely forgiveness and gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, being baptized in the name of Jesus is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Now, I just give you those two examples to try and connect what I'm trying to say from John 16. He will take from what is mine and he will make it known to you. By the way, one of these times when we record, this is a side note, we're going to go through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 in particular, and we're going to see that what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit actually takes place in Acts chapter 2. One of the things that I'm calling to mind, I better say it before I forget, is also in John's gospel, Jesus says that one of the, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is he will convict the world with regard to their sin, and he will also call them to faith, etc., And this happens in Acts chapter 2, by the way. Everything that Jesus says in John's Gospel about the Spirit happens in Acts 2 and will continue until the end of time. I I think you must have visited with Pastor Moline because everything in the history of the world can be found somewhere in the book of Acts. Uh, That's just... That's just uh, Pastor Moline's love for the Book of Acts, and and uh, I'm I'm uh, tongue in cheek here, but uh, when he preaches and teaches from the Book of Acts, it is uh, it is something to behold. Many Lutherans are afraid of it because they're afraid of the charismatic Pentecostal kind of movement, and uh, they're they're afraid that Lutherans don't have a response or don't have an answer to it. And that's my segue, Pastor. 
You know, there there are many of the old gospel churches, there are many of the charismatic churches now that use the same language that you just read from the Gospel of John about the breath of the Spirit uh, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of praise songs. There are a lot of old gospel songs. There are a lot of contemporary songs that talk about, breathe on me, O Spirit of God. Breathe on me. And how is it that when the Scripture is so clear that this breath of God or the breath of the Spirit is the breath of life, and that life is the forgiveness of sins. How is it that the forgiveness of sins has been detached from the work of the Holy Spirit, or more specifically, the breath of the Holy Spirit? So you got any thoughts on that? When you don't, when you ignore the words of Christ that we're studying here, that's what it's happens. that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. And when you think that you know better than the Lord, or as Paul says. I warn people about this repeatedly. This is Ephesians 4, verse 30. Let's not forget this. Paul warns us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you how you grieve the Holy Spirit. When you look for the Holy Spirit where he has not promised to be for you. The Holy Spirit has buckled himself with the word and the sacraments. And and let's not forget that the sacraments are primarily what? The word. The sacrament of baptism is important because of the word that's attached to the water. The Lord's Supper is important. Why? Because Christ's word is attached to the bread and wine. Okay? So word and sacrament. I'm not trying to, okay? So you grieve the Holy Spirit when you try and find the Holy Spirit where he's not promised to be for you. That's the problem. And, and so you have many people who grieve the Holy Spirit. And, the, and okay, now, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, isn't it amazing, though, that the... The, the very people and the very church bodies that would claim to extol the Holy Spirit oftentimes fall they're into grieving the trap the, they're of grieving, grieving that's the what Holy Spirit. That's what they're doing. That is, that is just supremely ironic to me. It is, sadly. Now, again, I, I quoted John 6, Jesus in John 6, saying that my words are spirit and they are life. That's Holy Spirit and life. And so when you hear the words of Christ, like take and eat and take and drink, my body, my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins the holy spirit is at work there because you know that because they're christ's words my my words are spirit and they are life and paul will say we actually drink the spirit he's talking about the lord's supper there okay um now so just running with that and trying to keep it as simple as i can i want to go back to how i teased everybody before we broke for a break so notice the creed how we started this uh, last week i believe in the holy spirit the holy christian church that's where he works Who does he create? A communion of saints, a fellowship of believers. How does he do it? Through the forgiveness of sins delivered from our Lord's bloody death on the cross in word and sacrament. And what are the long-term benefits of the forgiveness of sins? The resurrection of the body and life everlasting. So if there's no forgiveness of sins being distributed through the word of Christ, (laughs) there's no church. And there's not going to be a resurrection of your body for life everlasting, for life in heaven. Yeah, there'll be a resurrection, but it'll be a hot one. Now, now I, I, I teased everybody by saying you have to really be careful about pastors who think they know everything, and then they want to eliminate absolution from the service. They don't want to tell people that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake in an absolution, and they, they, they're, they're afraid to do it in a sermon. And then they eliminate the Lord's Supper for what the Lord's Supper's been given 
to do, namely to deliver the forgiveness of sins, according to Christ's promise. This happens all the time. I'll give one real-life example of this, and then I'll move to a more, well, a simple real-life example of this, and then I'm going to move into a more uh, intense theological way of talking about it that many people might not be aware of. Here's the easy way to grasp this. This is a true story. Uh, one of the, uh, there was a pastor in Washington State. He went on vacation for three weeks. And he had the same fill-in pastor for the, for the three weeks he was gone. Now, the first Sunday, the pastor omitted the confession and absolution at the beginning of the service. The second Sunday he was there, he omitted the confession and absolution. The third Sunday he was there, he guessed what he did. What do you think he did, Adam? I bet he omitted it. That's right. He did it again. Third week in a row. After he did that the third time in a row, an old woman in the congregation stood up and interrupted the entire service, and she said this, and I quote, Pastor, this is now the third week in a row where we haven't had the opportunity to hear the Lord's words of forgiveness and the absolution. Now, turn to page such and such in the hymnal, and you speak to us the absolution. Now, this guy, for whatever reason, he thought this wasn't important, so he just omitted it. My point is the danger here Thanks be to this old woman who knew better. She knew her Bible better than the pastor. She knew that she cannot live as a sinner without Christ's forgiveness. But the pastor, he, he thought he knew better. Oh, these people, you hear this all the time. They don't need to hear the law. Then therefore, they don't need to hear the gospel. gospel. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense, everybody? Absolutely. And when there's no forgiveness of sins going on, there's not going to be a church. You're divorcing Christ, the Savior of sinners, from sinners and their sin. That's a deadly thing to do spiritually. We can, we can turn that catechetical phrase uh, the other way around. You know, where there's forgiveness of sins, yeah. there's life and salvation. Where there's no forgiveness of sins, there is no life and no salvation. And that is tragic. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you a, Now, this is a more intense way of talking about this, as if Kuhlman isn't intense enough. You should see him rolling around on the floor here <laughs> as he uh, is saying these things. There, there has been a movement in the Lutheran Church from the 1960s to our present time, and it began, and, it, and it's to eliminate forgiveness of sins from the divine service. Okay, now I'll be very, very, very specific with names so people can look this up and they can check it out on their own. A German theologian, I don't know if he's still alive. If he's still alive, he's a very old man. I think he died a few years ago. Wolfhart Pannenberg, very influential a German theologian. You can read his systematic theology in English. I think it's like three volumes. I've read quite a bit of, from Pannenberg. He's a very dangerous theologian, very dangerous. But he gave some lectures, lectures, I think it was like in the 1960s. I think it was at Harvard. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so you can double check with, where he did these lectures. But I think it was at Harvard. And his lectures then were put into a book form. And the book is called Christian Spirituality. And I think that was published in the 1980s. Now, if you've never read that book, well, God be praised, ignorance is bliss. But now I'm going to spell, spell it out for you. Pannenberg contended, and I'm going to do this in general to make my point. Pannenberg contended, and by the way, another Lutheran who taught at Harvard, so-called Lutheran from Sweden, who eventually became, I think, the Archbishop of Sweden, who's now dead, Christer Stendahl, Christer spelled with a K, Lutheran in name only. One even wonders if Christer Stendahl was even a Christian, okay? But Christer Stendahl piggybacked on Wolfhart Pannenberg and his writings that were published in the book Christian Spirituality. So Pannenberg, together with Christer Stendahl, 
said that the Reformation is a mistake. It's a huge, huge mistake. Why? Because Luther and the other Lutheran reformers had this, these are my terms now, a Roman Catholic hangover. And what was the Roman Catholic hangover? Too negative. Too much talk about people being sin, sinners who need the forgiveness of sins, who need to repent and be forgiven, who need to be forgiven. That's a downer. That's not joyful. And so Christian spirituality was all about bringing joy back into the church. Now, how do you bring joy back into the church? How do you bring joy in being a Christian? Well, you have to eliminate this negative stuff of saying that I'm a poor, miserable sinner and deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. And when you eliminate that, you have to eliminate, I forgive you in the name of the Father, the Son. Because when a pastor says, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, that means you're a what? You're sinner. a sinner. So you have to eliminate that. So Ponenberg's whole goal was to say the Reformation was a mistake. Stendhal piggybacked on that. And he said this at Harvard Theological School there. And so this changes the entire way of being church. It changes the entire um, guts of being a pastor in the church. Because now with Ponenberg and Stendhal, you have a man who's still alive by the name of Thomas Schatower, who teaches at uh, Wartburg Seminary in Dubuque. And he's pushed these guys for all they're worth. Now, I know we're coming to the end of the segment, so we're going to have to take this up the next time and finish my thoughts what, here. What's the danger with this, Pastor? They're eliminating the, the, the Holy Spirit's delivery of Christ's Good Friday 1 forgiveness of sins for could, sinners. Could we say that the justification of Jesus Christ through his bloody death and glorious resurrection is being replaced with self-justification? Yes, and it's a really, really uh, weird way it's being done. I can't go into that right now, but when we get back next time and talk more about this, it's going to blow your mind what they replace it with. Well, stay Lutheran, my friends. Bye-bye.